Welcome to Ponder Exchange, a podcast about Christian faith and armed service hosted by me, Brother Logan Isaac. Although soldiers and veterans are 20% more likely to identify as Christian than the average American, they often feel like outsiders in churches because few Christian institutions understand how the military fits in our faith. I know because I spent about two decades trying to figure it out, while also trying to help others struggling to do the same. A lot of churches and ministries talk down to grunts as though the greatest shall be first and the last and lowly shall shut the fuck up and drive on. The problem with this so-called gospel is that Jesus didn't come to give orders, but to empty himself, taking the form of a grunt, obedient to the point of death, even death at the hands of an enemy combatant, like you and me. On Ponder Exchange, you'll hear from soldiers and veterans talking and praying about the issues affecting them, including First Formation, a lectionary for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. While this podcast might appeal most to the cannon fodder, self-propelled handbags, and trench monkeys, Ponder Exchange is for anyone who loves us enough to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. Those who do are our allies, our battle buddies, and our church. Can I get an amen? Welcome to First Formation, a spiritual exercise for high church lowlifes looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join us every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 144 Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. My rock and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield in whom I take refuge, who subdues the peoples under me. O Lord, what are human beings that you regard them, or mortals that you think of them? They are like a breath, their days are like a passing shadow. Bow your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so that they smoke. Make the lightning flash and scatter them. Send out your arrows and rout them. Stretch out your hand from on high. Set me free and rescue me from the mighty waters, from the hand of aliens, whose mouths speak lies and whose right hands are false. I'll sing a new song to you, O God. Upon a ten-stringed harp I will play to you, the one who gives victory to kings, who rescues his servant David. Rescue me from the cruel sword and deliver me from the hand of aliens whose mouth speak lies, and whose right hands are false. May our sons and their youth be like plants full-grown, our daughters like corner pillars, cut for the building of a palace. May our barns be filled with produce of every kind. May our sheep increase by thousands, by tens of thousands in our fields, and may our cattle be heavy with young. May there be no breach in the walls, no exile, and no cry of distress in our streets. Happier are the people on, to whom such blessings fall. Happier are the people whose God is the Lord. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verses 5 through 14. Who is that coming up from the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved? Under the apple tree I awakened you. There your mother was in labor with you. There she bore you in 
There she who bore you was in labor. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is strong as death, passion fierce as the grave. It flashes, its flashes are flashes of fire, a raging flame. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If one offered for love all the wealth of one's house, it would be utterly scorned. We have a little sister and she has no breasts. What shall we do for our sister on the day when she is spoken for? If she is a wall, we will build upon her a battlement of silver. But if she is a door, we will enclose her with boards of cedar. I was a wall, and my breasts were like towers. Then I was in his eyes as one who brings peace. Solomon had a vineyard at Baal Haman. He entrusted the vineyard to keepers. Each one was to bring for its fruit a thousand pieces of silver. My vineyard, my very own, is for myself. You, O Solomon, may have the thousand, and the keepers of the fruit two hundred. O you who dwell in the gardens, my companions are listening for your voice. Let me hear it. Make haste, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or a young stag upon the mountains of spices. Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 45 through 57. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what he had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the council and said, What are we to do? This man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and destroy both our holy place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all. You do not understand that it is better for you to have one man die for the people than to have the whole nation destroyed. He did not say this on his own, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was about to die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but to gather into one the dispersed children of God. So from that day on, they planned to put him to death. Jesus, therefore, no longer walked about openly among the Jews, but went from there to a town called Ephraim, in the region near the wilderness, and he remained there with the disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and were asking one another as they stood in the temple, What do you think? Surely he will not come to the festival, will he? Now the chief priests and Pharisees had given orders that anyone who knew where Jesus was should let them know, so that they might arrest him. and welcome to the 19th Wednesday after Pentecost. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from the Appalachian, I'm sorry, from Imesville, Maryland. Uh, this morning's readings are come to us from Psalm 144, the Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 8, and then finally the Gospel of John, chapter 11. Before we get very far, um, I did want to apologize for missing yesterday. Um, we have, the good news is, we have remediators coming in to um, take care of the lead uh, outside the house, um, and they were able to come early, so I was trying to arrange that, but um, I didn't get a chance to record. Um, and this morning's readings are 
are interesting because they also align with the feast day of soldier saints Sergius and Bacchus. Um, uh, today is the the feast of these two saints um, who were early martyrs, uh, part of the early three uh, hundreds uh, persecution that started in the military. And Sergius and Bacchus, uh, their story is um, is interesting because they became very popular in the LGBTQ community. Um, and Sergius and Bacchus were um, officers in the Roman military. Uh, there's some there's good reason to believe that they really existed, but it's hard to find the date. There's some scholarly debate about uh, the reliability of their story, but I don't think it's ever been questioned that that this story did occur, just the extent to which certainly certainly the miraculous events, but um, also like, you know, how much of it was borrowed. But it seems very unique, and that's because they are a pair of saints. Um, they served together in uh, the Roman army, and according to this, their story, uh, they were close friends, and uh, they were, as officers, expected to make some gestures that Caesar was God and the Roman gods were, you know, God. And uh, they refused. And uh, they they were kind of tripped up because they were led into a pagan temple with the rest of their unit. And so while everybody else was sacrificing to, I don't know, Jupiter or somebody, um, they refused. And uh, because of their refusal to worship pagan gods, they were humiliated by being dressed up as women and paraded around the city. Um, and that was a, a form of punishment. But it also suggests that um, that they didn't conform. I mean, the story makes it so that they do not perform their expected gender roles. Um, homosexuality is, uh, it's kind of anachronistic. It wasn't as taboo for men to have sex with other men. Um, it was uncommon for men to insist on committed relationships with other men. Um, that weren't based on some kind of power dynamic. Um, and so the, the parading them around in women's clothes um, may have just been humiliation, may have been an indication that they, uh, you know, had perverted the gender norms of the day. Um, it's not clear to me. There's this uh, really good resource from David Woods about their story and the historicity of it and, you know, uh, Humiliation in the Roman army, etc. Um, but they were—they've been compared to Jonathan and David because they were so committed to one another. Um, and as it goes, um, uh, they after they were paraded around the city in women's clothes, the emperor sends them to Antiochus to be tried by a military commander who happens to be an old friend of Sergius. Um, the military commander couldn't convince them, um, and so uh, he had Bacchus, Sergius's close friend and lover, perhaps, he had him beaten to death first. 
Um, and so the commander and and Sergius are are left to kind of, you know, in the story to kind of to do battle, um, trying to convince them, uh, trying to convince Sergius using persuasion, intimidation, and to, in the midst of this um, torture, um, the the spirit of Bacchus appears to Sergius and encourages him to keep strong and persevere so that, um, you know, he doesn't deny Christ and he reminds them that they can be together forever so long as he doesn't deny Christ and remain strong. And so it takes another couple of days, but eventually Sergius is also killed um, and they are both, I think, beheaded. And as most saint stories go, there's all these miraculous happenings when they die. Um, and the uh, the the fact their story or the the historical reliability of their story is somewhat high. Um, the story was was spoken of by a number of early church um, uh, writers, including Evagrius, Gregory of Tours, Bede, who did the the history of the, uh, the Christian Church in England, um, and so. It's very likely that this did occur and was widely known within the church. Um, the The nature of their relationship has come under um, scrutiny because they've been, uh, you know, kind of adopted by, uh, you know, gender nonconforming Christians in our own era. And Robert Lentz, who's this really popular um, iconographer, did uh, uh, an icon of them in 1994 that was used in the uh, San Francisco Pride Parade and remains really popular as a way of giving, uh, you know, giving permission or giving some context for um, devout Christian faith um, despite or because of gender nonconforming feelings or attitudes or or whatever. Um, And so they're this really important couple, a pair of saints, Saint pairs are not uh, incredibly common, um, and there is, you know, plenty of evidence to suggest that they, they, they. I'm, I'm just hesitant to use our own terminology and throw it back onto them because I don't know enough to, um, to really trust whether or not that's fair or not, and I, I just don't want to believe that, you know, how we view the world right now is how they viewed the world back then, but. Um, we do have in them this example of, uh, from within the military, this example of saints that, um, that challenge our own notion of, uh, you know, what it means to be a faithful Christian, what the, what is permitted and what is restricted. And, um, Sergius and Bacchus have been quite popular. There's, um, in Istanbul, uh, there's, you know, the Hagia Sophia, which is a big uh, ancient church. And then there's the little Hagia Sophia, which is dedicated to Sergius and Bacchus. In Syria, there's this incredibly old basilica that's dedicated to St. Sergius. Um, so they're, uh, you know, a pretty mainstream uh, pair of saints. And um, they refused to um, worship Caesar as God and worship false gods while they were in the military under this uh, persecution that was begun in the early 300s. Um, and they remind us uh, what it looks like 
uh, to, to be so close as to be willing to die for one another and alongside one another, um, which is something that I think soldiers of our own day um, are uniquely prepared to do in, in the American, uh, you know, in American culture. And so I think they're an inspiration, regardless of who they loved. Um, I think, at the very least, it's a really powerful testament to camaraderie and that filial love, at least, um, that we see between David and Jonathan, uh, as well as within uh, the ranks of our own military today. Collect of a martyr from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty God, by whose grace and power your holy martyrs Sergius and Bacchus triumphed over suffering and were faithful even to death, grant us, who now remember them in thanksgiving, to be so faithful in our witness to you in this world that we may receive with them the crown of life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.